0: Welcome back to the Conversations podcast. We are continuing a series called Rejoice, looking at the book of Philippians, and this week talking about the path to joy. I am joined by two special guests and friends. First we're joined by lead pastor Jose Avaroa. Jose, morning, welcome Taylor. back to the podcast. And we're joined by the doctor, Dr. Sean Stover.
1: Welcome back to the podcast, Sean. Good morning, Taylor. It is great being here. You give me more props for being a doctor than I think anybody else (laughs) in my life. So it is worth (laughs) coming to the podcast just to hear you say that.
2: Yeah. We we come with our wounds. We come... For healing, and That's so we're right. glad that you're here
1: because uh-huh.
2: this Perfect. is a good And good admiration
0: message. because I could never do that much school, so props to you, all the hard work you did. Uh, very grateful for it. Sean, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Last week, we kind of opened up on the podcast talking about this new series we're going to look at for seven weeks in Philippians, and would love to just get your thoughts on kind of what you first heard whenever Jose mentioned to you this kind of series, what kind of stood out to you, and then just even going into the preparation for this week, what did God kind of show you as we look at rejoicing
1: as a church i am very grateful and thankful when we go through a book of the bible when there's this uh, expository teaching where we go verse by verse i think that's a powerful way to study the word together as a group Uh, honestly, it's not my go-to as a teacher, uh, because I'm not as much of a theologian. I'm more of a counselor as we were kind of joking about a second ago. So topical is kind of how I have studied the Bible a lot to try to help people, you know, through situations that they're going through in their life. Uh, but this expository teaching and digging deep into a specific chapter is incredibly important for us as believers to take the time to do that and and study in context what is being said, what God's trying to communicate to us. So I was I was pumped when Jose said we were doing Philippians. Uh, when he tells us we're going to do some expository thing over an obscure prophet in the Old Testament, I may jump ship. But the uh, the books that you know that Paul wrote um, are so practical and so helpful and so still applicable to us today, Philippians being one of them. So I was excited when the and when so that came are the about. prophets. I just got to <laughs> insert
2: that in right there. So are Haggai and Habakkuk and Micah and those, those great guys. Well, Absolutely. Well, will you start? They,
1: they will enjoy watching, listening to you work through those. When the time comes I love it Uh,
0: For this week though Talking about joy uh, Jose you mentioned this When you opened up the series And then Sean You kind of started Just before we get into Talking about How do we have joy How do we have a path to joy How do we have sustaining joy Amidst our circumstances uh, We kind of start with the definition Because I think a lot of times Whether you grew up in church Or whether you were there For the first time on Sunday Have different definitions Of what joy looks like So the definition That y'all are using Is joy as sustained hope And gratitude And Sean, I loved the examples you gave just in your counseling experience and just even counseling us on how to counsel others in times of need. Because if you just quickly pull that out and say, oh, don't worry, have joy. Rejoice always. Again, yeah. and say it again. Yeah. yeah, I thought you did a great job because you were quoting scripture. So it really yeah. was in the Bible. And I loved how you said it's not that the Bible's off. You know, this is an issue with the Bible. It's just how we're choosing to use it. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts just a little more on that concept of Saint Hope. We're going to dive in just a little bit more on the points you had, but just the significance of starting with that definition.
1: Absolutely. In our community group, last night, again, we went back through some of that. And again, people's definitions tend to lean toward either blind optimism, this off the charts, naive, everything's going to be okay, no matter what, that's joy, that mindset, or a feeling of this exuberant, enthusiastic expressions of happiness. And it's one of those two. And I think that I don't know that that's bad. That's just kind of how our cultures define joy, what comes naturally to mind for us. And yet Paul's writing of joy, the word is so much deeper and, and more significant. And that's where we get in trouble with the counseling is when we're like, just be blindly optimistic and totally happy no matter what's going on in your life. That's not good counsel for people who are struggling their way through difficulties in the world, wild world that we live in um but the idea that Jose put forward the week before and this definition of joy really as Paul's writing as being the sustaining hope and gratitude now that's something that we can really get our hands on and really does make a difference in people's lives when when stuff isn't going the way we want it to we need to sustain hope and maintain gratitude and if we can do that have that mindset and that the feelings of peace and calm that follow from that really are healing, and they really are helpful to work our way through.
2: That's what's stood out to me from this is really, and it's how we're doing it, verse by verse, we see Paul's train of thought. Now, Paul is very circular. He's not very linear in his writing. And so this, it's its a mystery because it's hard to get into, okay, what was he thinking when he wrote this? But so far, already in chapter one, we can tell that Paul was doing these two very difficult things simultaneously. He was being very real about his circumstance, and then he was also very hopeful about why this was happening and how God was using a bad circumstance for good. And I think that's, that's the trick here. How can we do both? Personally, I, yeah, I'm a five, maybe a six, seven, or eight, and and I love, I go to hope quickly, I go to gratitude quickly, and then I, I don't call out the reality of a bad circumstance, so I remember when you and I, Sean, were talking, this is a while ago now, and um, I did use Romans eight twenty eight, and I, I was talking about, yeah, you know what, but God will turn this out for good because he loves you and, and he has a plan through this. And you called me out and said, hey, that, that's a great, and you have great intentions, but it's not necessarily helpful. And, and that recognition is super important because again, it's both being real about the hardship, about the pain, about the unfortunate circumstance and hopeful, not either or.
0: Uh, I think for some people listening, they may not need to know this, but for someone like me listening, we we hear words like hope. We hear about joy, hear about hope. Help us define what that even means. I'd love to talk talk about what hope looks like and then what gratitude looks like as we think about it in this definition. And since we have a little more time on the podcast, we'd love to kind of zero in on those two. But but what what is hope? Is that is that just uh, is that also just an emotion or just a response or kind of what do those two look like?
1: It is. It's both of those things. It's an emotion. It's a response. It's at its core. I believe it's, it's a, it's a deep belief in something that's beyond what's going on in the moment, mm-hmm. something in the future. And, uh, we can hope in a lot of things we could, we could hope we're going to win the lottery. We could, you know, hope that, um, some miracle is going to change the lights in town so that we can go straight through uh, <laughs> without stopping and getting caught in traffic. We can hope in a lot of things, but our hope as believers is in Jesus Christ and in in His, his blood, His salvation, our salvation because of His work, mm-hmm. because of the Holy Spirit in us, because of the healing power that, that that has, God's desire to love us no matter what. That's what our hope is in. And so it's a belief in something outside of yourself and outside of your current circumstances. That's how I would
2: define hope mm-hmm, yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah, and what Paul is doing again in chapter 1 is he's saying I have hope because he's seeing things in the eternal and he's also seeing things in the in the temporal. And Sean, you did a great job talking about the differences of those of those two things because you can call out what is happening here and now, but also look up and have hope. And again, that is tied to the gospel, the story that Jesus did something for us that we never could. So we can't hope in ourselves because we won't be able to bring the results. We won't be able to better our circumstances by our own strength. We have hope in a third party that has done something for us that enables us to have hope no matter what.
1: Yeah, Romans chapter five, verses three through five say, basically, I'll paraphrase: that trials, when when tribulation, tough times come, we're to persevere, and and we can persevere because it builds our character. And then it says our character building leads to this hope, and it says hope doesn't disappoint because our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in something bigger than ourselves. So that path that through trials we persevere, it builds our character, and it sustains our hope. It grows our hope. You know, it points us to hope not in ourselves or our ability to tough things out, but in a, in a God who's outside of our circumstance and has already overcome. You both have amazing hearts for people and coming alongside
0: people in some of their hardest moments, and y'all choose to do that, both in friends and through work, and not just because of uh, just being required to do so. I'd love to hear just personally from y'all, how do you... Uh, grow in your hope, maybe restore hope when there's times where you're, you know, you're seeing some of the, the darkest moments in people's life, just the the worst parts of humanity in this fallen world. So how do you just personally kind of hold on to hope and then even just continue to build in that very hope that we're talking about?
1: And it helps being 54 years old and have, haven't seen a lot of life because early when you experience difficulties and you haven't had the experience of seeing the other side of those, it, it can feel very hopeless and helpless in those situations. But with time comes perspective and comes experience. And you you look back and you can draw on your own times where you're like, well, I remember I was in a desperate place once in my marriage. I was in a desperate place once in my, in my life as I was single and lost. And uh, I can tell you that people came around me, or I can tell you that this word really meant a lot to me, or I found a counselor that did this in my life, or I found, you know, whatever it was that helped me work through. And I got to the other side of that, or people carried me to the other side of that. So I think the biggest thing for me is when people are in that hopeless situation, that's all they can see. All Mm -hmm. they can see is what's right in front of them, the pain they're experiencing, the tragedy of their circumstances. And community around, whatever form that takes, a counselor or a group of people or God's Word and the Holy Spirit working can say, hey, this is where you are, but this isn't where you're going to be. And and we've seen other people get through this same situation or something very similar. And there's a path forward. And if you're willing to walk it out, your future can look different than your current and I think that's what people need. You know, they just need yeah. someone to be alongside them in those difficult places when they
2: can't see what forward mm-hmm. looks like. You talked about borrowing hope yesterday, and, and that's that's a, a, a trick, again, a, a life hack that you can borrow somebody else's hope, And and sometimes that's hard to do because one of the reasons why we may end up in a hopeless state is because people have let us down. And so you have to choose to have faith again in people. And I love the definition of faith in Hebrews 11:1. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. So God definitely uses people, but it's important for me to remember as I think about how my hope has grown. My hope is not in people. My hope is in God. Who uses people? And that's, that's, that's the difference. A lot of times if, if you, I think of times where I have felt hopeless and, and I ask myself, what was I hoping in? And it's either myself or somebody else that's let me down. But we sing this all the time at church. God will never let us down. He will never fail us. That's It's not in His character. He can't do that. That's not who He is. Um, and so having our faith uh, placed in God really does increase our hope and then allows us to trust again and to have hope in people.
1: One more thing on that I think is important is you do need to take stock from time to time of who you're hanging out with and who, who you're surrounding yourself with. Because if you're surrounding yourself with folks who are just going to say, yeah, you're right, things are terrible, and they've been terrible for me, they're terrible for you, the world is terrible, this is a horrible place, why don't we live in it? And, and all they're gonna do is reinforce the negative that you're living in you may need to find a few new friends because you can't borrow hope from people who are bankrupt in that category already. And so you got to take stock because sometimes we like that, right? Like things were in a bad spot and what's this phrase misery loves company. You know, it's like, things are terrible. I want to go find the friend that's always got everything terrible and we'll just hang out together and terrible. And that kind of empathy is Okay. But in the long run, you need a few of those people in your life, and you certainly need the faith that Jose's talking about in the Lord um, so that you have... Somebody that's on the other side.
0: I hear both of y'all, even just in your answers, communicating just a posture of humility, a posture of surrender to God, having hope in Him. Because I think about sometimes if I was Paul in prison, and what I'd be doing is instead of worshiping and praising and writing these letters, I'd be like, okay, who can I call, or what, how can I get can out? Can I get here? out? Or where's the yeah. where's the window? You know, like all these kind of things. Because my whenever I get afraid or fearful, my tendency is to try to control, try to just take over. And so just hearing both of y'all, just how significant that even is as far as, yes, going to other people and being able to uh, invite others alongside you, but also recognizing that our hope is not in our ability to get out of a situation or to change our circumstances, but really in, in the one who, who is and, and can.
1: That's such a mature response, Taylor, and your recognition of that is a big deal. I spent a lot of years of my life really being afraid of being helpless or in a situation where I was helpless. And then finally, I came to the realization that, honestly, I, I am helpless at the end of the day, and being able to relax into that and surrender to that and honestly say, yeah, in my own power, I'm I'm pretty helpless. I need to quit fighting that, and I need to just be okay with that and turn to the source, turn to the Lord and His strength and trust that He's got me. He's not helpless. He's all-powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took me a lot longer to get there than you. so." Oh, I don't know about that. I'm still learning. Uh,
0: Go back to this definition, joy is sustained hope, and then we have the second part here: sustained hope and gratitude. And I'd love to just talk to y'all again, breaking this down practically uh, in the same way we talked about hope just a second ago. What does I think we understand a little bit better about what uh, what gratitude looks like? But how do you foster that? How do you continue to make that either a discipline in your life or a habit, or just how do you kind of continue to cultivate that? And I love the quote Sean that you used from a, a Jesuit priest that said it's not joy that makes makes us grateful it's gratitude that makes us joyful so there is a significant tie here so just what are some ways you would encourage people just to even camp out in this arena
1: I think that's the great thing about the definition of joy as the sustained hope and gratitude is in that hope is a it's a current belief about something that's to come and gratitude is a current remembrance of something that's happened in the past and so the combination of those so gratitude is just the remembering it's the stopping and saying man I've been in tough spots and I've come through because people have showed up for me. I remember, man, I went to my mother in law last time I was stuck like this and she prayed for me. And her faith, you know, I borrowed some of that from her and it really encouraged me. And I'm grateful for that. Or I've seen God show up in my life or in other people's lives time and time again. I'm going to be thankful for that so that in my circumstance, it'd be real easy, you know, in this moment in prison for Paul to feel really sorry for himself. But instead, man, he, he looked around. He was grateful that there that the people were from Philippi were, were encouraging him and writing him letters. He was grateful for that. He was grateful that there were people out there still spreading the word, even if they weren't doing it the way he would. People were hearing about Christ, and he found things to be grateful for. And that can't help but lift your spirits. Gratitude lifts our spirits.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he writes in <clears throat> verse 3 of chapter 1, I thank my God. Every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. So there is the connection with gratitude and joy, and that's where I was going to go, Sean, is that Paul here is so grateful for the Philippians, and they've given him a generous gift. We don't know how much, but we do know that it greatly encouraged him. He talks about it later in another letter, and so Paul is in this posture of gratitude despite Despite his circumstances, I think of the whole scriptures, Old Testament to begin. the The number one sin in people is that we forget God's goodness, and that we we tend to think that what He's done for us is not enough, or that He's withholding in some way, and we do not just thank Him for what He's done for us, for creating us in His image, for for you know allowing us to have breath in our lungs. I mean, these simple things that we take for granted, we do not stop and say thank you, and and that is tied, I think, our ungratitude is tied to our lack of joy mm-hmm. if we were more grateful then we would we yeah. would have more yeah. joy in our life.
1: Yeah, that ungratitude, boy, that's a big theme in the Minor Prophets. That's I right. Believe. That's
0: right. Yeah. There it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Full circle. I love it. I love it. Sean, we, we go into t- looking in the actual passage of Philippians 1, and we see how Paul is seeing from multiple levels here. He's talking about just the wrestling of staying on earth versus being with God in heaven. And uh, I even love the the tie-in you brought in Second Kings 6, and just the idea of um, God opening their eyes and being able to see things that are unseen. This concept of multiple layers. Uh, one of my biggest questions to y'all would be: someone that's maybe struggling with doing seeing this throughout the week. So maybe on a Sunday morning, just in church, you're feeling good, mm-hmm. or maybe at community group once a week, you're excited. And you're like, "Oh man!" You know, you're talking about stories of where God's been working, and you're excited. But then. You go home and maybe it's like a house full of kids and it's chaos, or maybe it's at work and it's stress, or the marriage is tense. So how did how do you kind of continue to have this sustained view of kind of the eternal as well as what's here
1: on earth? Over time, I think you develop the ability to do <clears throat> two things at once, but when you're learning a new skill, you have to set time aside and be conscious about focusing on that. So obviously we're all going to be pretty good at what we're experiencing in the moment right the temporal i can feel what i'm feeling i can see what i'm seeing so we don't have to practice that a whole lot but it is worth saying okay i got the kids down it was a crazy night it was very hectic around here i just want to spend about 3 minutes lord just show me open the eyes of my heart actually somebody said that in one of the books that paul wrote i think open paul said open the eyes of, i pray you would open the eyes of their hearts so they might see it's also open. a great song Uh, There you go. That's where you're going in first, but yeah. Open the eyes of their hearts so they might see. I can't give you the specific reference for that. But what he was what we're getting at there is I want to be able to see the bigger Lord, show me the bigger picture here. Show me what's really going on. Like I'm I'm frustrated right now with the kids and how crazy the night was. I feel like my spouse didn't help at all. I was having to do it by myself. Open my eyes and show me the bigger picture of what's going on. And that's what Elisha did for his servant in 2 Kings. He opened his eyes to see God's movement at work there to protect them. Um, and, And that's what it is. It's Lord, just show me, show me where you are in this situation. Show me, show me where we're headed. Give me hope for the fact that there's more going on than, than what we're having. Ephesians 118 I just looked that up
0: did not have that memorized full disclosure uh, Jose would love to ask you the same question just how does someone continue to keep this at the Forefront of their mind throughout the week
2: yeah I was gonna go there to practice practice is, is what we need it's discipline and it's uh, training our minds um, to, to really think of things above not not hear things and below seeing the unseen uh, and fixing our eyes on Jesus so it's it's it's' you know, an opportunity that we have, an invitation that we have to, to it's, it's not a works thing. It's really entering into where God already is. So if you think about God already being close by, and it's just our uh, distract, distracted mind, that's not where he is. So we, we just need to think about him. And maybe it's phoning a friend and saying, hey, I'm I'm struggling right now. And I, I just I just need some hope. I need some joy. And, and I just thought about calling you or texting you. I mean, if we were better at that, I think we would really return to joy a lot faster than, than normal, because what, what I tend to do is I, you know, Bring that into myself. I don't let anybody in, and then I go a week. I go two weeks, and it's it's too long. And now I have, you know, been grumbling. I've I've gone down in that spectrum of uh, optimism, and now I'm over here in pessimism, thinking that everyone's against me, and, and that's that's just not true.
1: True. I will say a fair warning as well, though, that we got some probably folks that are pretty mature in their faith um, listening to this, and over time you can get really good at this to the point that people come to you with something going on and you jump right to, well, let me tell you what God's doing in that moment. I've been in that situation and God saved me from that. And here's what he's at. He's really trying to grow you. And if you fast forward past the reality of what somebody's experiencing or the reality of what you're experiencing, we do that as mature believers to ourselves sometimes. We ignore what we're feeling in the moment and we just kind of go. Jose, you alluded to this yeah. that you've done yep. this yep. sometimes. You yep. kind of can fast forward. Absolutely. And and we rob ourselves of a moment that we need to be comforted by the Lord or to just experience what's going on, or we rob somebody in our life. I've I've said this before, but I've done this in my family quite a bit. I hurt Christina. Many times by fast forwarding to the next step and what God was going to do, and yeah. yeah, and and it was well meaning and it was it was a good plan, but it robbed us of the chance to really connect around what she was experiencing or the kids to really just let them feel what they're feeling in a given moment. So I love that Paul did that. Paul was like, "Man, I'm here. I'm stuck in prison." I mean, he didn't have to write any. You know, he could have could have wrote that totally different. Um, but he he acknowledged where he was acknowledged that he didn't want to be there, it would have been better to be with Jesus, and yet you know, he said, but I see There's the bigger purpose. picture. Yeah. The purpose.
0: I think the key is the and. Like you said, uh, your first point here, Sean, uh, simultaneously to the path of joy, simultaneously experience what you are feeling and identify what God is doing. I love even the story you shared with the community group, the men's group that you're at, and you're asking them, I wrote it down just because I, I really related to it. It's like, what happened? What are you feeling? And what was God doing? And I just love how you, you shared the tension they felt where it's either they were like, okay, here's what happened or here's what God was doing. And so for you to, and to your point to be able to empath- empathize with them in what they're feeling I think yeah we can
2: we we, we can spiritualize so many things and miss the spirit in them yeah. And, and miss what he's really wanting to do in us what he's wanting to do through us for somebody else and again Paul Paul here is putting on a clinic on how to do that he's doing both mm-hmm. he 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 is self disclosing he's acknowledging his hardship and he's also saying hey i think you guys need this too <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 joy is the common denominator we haven't gotten to this but my hope and my aim from this series is that we bring rejoice back into our lexicon, back into our verbiage, because rejoice is a word that is super churchy and maybe spiritual to the point that really, you know it sounds cheesy. Rejoice. Well, no, don't say that. I don't need to do that. But what we're talking about right now is rejoicing. Mm-hmm. Just like refueling, you need more fuel in order to go. We need to rejoice. We need to refill with joy and the way that, to do that, the path to joy, again, as you outlined, is, is through hope and, and gratitude. So... The next the next uh, point here
0: is not only simultaneously experiencing what you're feeling and identifying what God is doing, the second part is doing the right thing. I know this is something that we've talked about before, and uh, sitting in church, you would kind of expect to hear maybe <laughs> something like this. Uh, two questions for y'all that related to this. The first one may just seem really elementary, but I'd love to unpack it a little bit, which is just what what is the right thing? How, how do we know what the right thing is? Because there's a lot of complexities to life. There's a lot of circumstances where, well, Sean, you, you don't know what what I'm what's going on over here or Jose, you don't don't know what's happening over here. Mm So how do we know what is the right thing to do? And does that get easier over time?
1: It does. Absolutely. It, it gets easier if you practice, like we said earlier with everything, but the reality is you need somebody sometimes to give you counsel and wisdom in difficult places I don't want to make it harder than it is, though. The Bible is pretty clear, and it's honestly not that complex, and we usually know what the right thing to do is. I think of, of Job, and he was going through an incredibly difficult circumstance, and he had a lot of people coming around trying to convince him to do the wrong thing. You know, I mean, the I just want to curse God and die, and you know, that's the wrong thing. Uh, he knew that was the wrong thing. You know, he knew. Regardless of what's going on, I have to keep the faith. I have to, you know, continue to live my life in accordance with what God's laid out for me. And so, it's it's not overcomplicating. It's really pretty simple. There's ten commandments. We need to live by those ten commandments. There's little admonitions that God gives us in His Word, and we need to live by those. So, I'm not trying to push your stuff. Your question aside, I just I don't want to overcomplicate it and be like. You know, I'm in a tough situation. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I'm afraid to do the wrong thing. It's like, no, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. If you just praise, what's the right thing to do? Most of the time, it's going to point you that way. It's it's not that we don't know the right thing. It's just that it may be uncomfortable, unpopular, or we may be unwilling to do it. That's where more of the issue, we run into the issue. Yeah.
2: Uh, And I also think that we can undo our right thinking with bad thinking if we continually live into that. So that's what Romans one speaks to. The, the law is written in our hearts. Everyone has a choice. And then God gave people over to their sins. And so we need to also be aware that we have blind spots that we may not not know. And that's where community is huge. That's why the word of God is huge, because those things are our anchors. And so both, it's it's both and yes, know what, what is inside of you. And then also recognize that you you may not know a certain thing and go to the word or go to somebody else and ask, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, these anti relational things in my mind or I'm I'm coping in ways that are unhealthy. Um what what does the Bible say? What what do you think? Especially if you're starting out in your faith, asking is a beautiful gift. It shows humility and, and it allows other people to 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 come in
0: something you've shared, Sean, uh, even related to this, just another context, encouraging people, it's not just necessarily doing the right thing, but doing the next right thing. Right. And I think for someone like me that that does have control issues and as is a planner, it's like, I want God to show me where everything's going to end up before I commit to taking a step of faith. And yet, this is just asking us, and His Word just asks us to follow His commandments, to just do the next right thing and trust the rest with Him. So, there is even a component of trust in here where it's, it, it, you may not know what the circumstances look like. Paul may not know whether he's ever getting out of prison. Prison, and yet he's choosing to do the right thing and choosing that, that next step there. This, this third point here is, is talking about kind of communally responding in joy. It's saying, stay united and stand firm. And I just love uh, the, the scriptures you use with this. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. We've heard this. We talk about this often. Uh, what would maybe be some of the biggest um, temptations or attacks against these very two things? Mm. The staying united and standing firm.
1: Yeah, isolation is a big, uh, big place that we get off track here. A lot of us hit a difficult patch and we pull ourselves away from relationship, community, church, God, and we just kind of hunker down. And uh, that isolation is really what the enemy gets excited about seeing because it's so much easier to take somebody out and... Um, Have them do the opposite of persevere, have them give up or throw in the towel once they isolate. So I think there's a reason those two things are linked, you know, stay united and stand firm, stay united and persevere, because it's easier. It's just easier to to make it through with our faith intact and doing the right thing um, when we face adversity, if we have people around us doing the same thing. Awesome. This has been a
0: great conversation, y'all. Seriously, would love to give Sean, you the last word as we look at this, this rest of the passage and the series ahead when it comes to
1: joy. Yeah, there's a lot in this message, in this time, in this book of Philippians. I would just say, hang in there and keep listening because the series keeps going and uh, the book keeps going. There's great things. Jose's Man, his he's ready to bring rejoice back. Uh, bring rejoice so, back. Yeah, that's right. Could be really exciting. I will. I just want to end with this because I think it's important. Those three things that, that they, they work in in your friendships, they work in your marriage, and they work with your kids. When you're processing something difficult through a lot of information at you, but if you're willing to just ask those three questions, hey, what what happened? Let's just talk about what happened. What did you experience in that? What were you thinking and what were you feeling is the second question. The third question is what was God up to? And, uh, man, watch how it changes your conversations. If you enter in with your friends or people significant in your life and you walk through things, um, or things they encounter with those three questions, because ultimately if you do that, well, the, the other side of that is this really cool sustaining joy. Thanks for listening to the Conversations
0: podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. See you back for the next conversation.